All right. So we want to deal with this. Where does God stand on the issues? Where does God stand on the issues? And what are the issues? There are four, there, there, there are four very important issues that are going to be decided this election. And I'm going to take this from where the two major parties, the Democratic Party, the Democrat Party, and the Republican Party, those two major parties, I'm going to talk about what they have themselves published as their party platform. And someone said, I thought you're not supposed to talk about politics in church. We're not. We're talking about righteousness. Because let's read our scripture again. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34 says, Righteousness exalteth a nation. Did your Bible read like that? But sin is a reproach to any people. And what is sin? The Bible says that all unrighteousness is sin. So it doesn't matter. And let me say that. Let me say this also goes with it. It's whatever God calls sin. That's what sin. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. It doesn't matter what your favorite politician, my favorite politician, whatever the case. It doesn't matter what I say or what you say. What matters is. It's what God says is sin. That's the only thing. That's where it stops at. That's where all Christians should stop. It's what what does God say about the issue? This is a very critical time in in in, in this nation's history. This is because we're going to be deciding which way we're going to go or continue to go. Now, I would ask that you would Tune in to the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, many times people, well, I just know what I am, and that's I'm just, I'm just that. Listen to the Holy Ghost. Open up your minds. Open up your hearts. Listen to the Holy Ghost. I'll be reading from scriptures. I won't be giving you a lot of opinions. I'll give you uh, what thus said the Lord. Yesterday, as I stated, my family and I, my two older daughters, well, all of us, all five of us went, but, of course, the youngest one is too young to vote. But my two oldest daughters, my wife and I, we went early vote. And as we were waiting in line, now this has happened to me on several occasions. I don't be messing with people. I just be standing waiting on my time. And somebody have to say something to me. And this little dear sweet woman, she uh, she came in, got in line behind me, and uh, she looked at me. She's, she's, she's a Caucasian lady, little little short lady uh, in her 70s, she said. And she said, uh, with a smile, I bet I know who you voting for. <laughs> and I said, in my usual way, why would you, you know, what makes you think I'm going to vote a certain way? I know you're going to vote for Obama. And now let me, let, me, let me say this on the front end. I never told her the whole time we talked for about another, another hour who I was voting for or what my party affiliation was. Okay? Never did. So I won't even say that today. That won't be a part of because that's not important. And uh, I said to her, well, well, what makes you think I would vote for Obama? Because he's nice. That was her answer. He, he's, a, he's a good man. He's nice. I said, is that a reason 
to vote for somebody because they're nice? Well, yeah, I like him. I said, well, what does he believe? What is his policies? Now, there were witnesses around and other people were starting to tune into the conversation. And this, again, you know, this was about an hour long conversation. And my wife can tell you she was standing right there beside me. What was her whole reason? She liked him. He was nice and she was a Democrat and her uh, parents were Democrats and her great her grandparents were Democrats. So she always vote Democrat. So, you know, we began to discuss. Well, we didn't begin to discuss issues. I began to tell her what the pl- party platforms were. And uh, she's, you know, told what what each candidate believed. Again, I never said I was voting this way or I'm this party affiliation. And uh, she's just looked at me in a stranger. I said, well, haven't you read anything that uh, that they said? Not said, but haven't you read any of their policies? So I said, it doesn't matter what they say, what their speeches say. You have to read their policies, what's in writing, what they actually do. And she looked at me and she says, are you a college professor? Are you a professor? I said, yes, I am. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I said, well, haven't you read in that? She says, no. I said, so you're, you're voting purely based on you like a person because you think they're nice? Well, yes. You know, so I'm going to leave that right there. Because a lot of people are basing their, um, now, now remember, I'm talking about the church. Because as the church votes, that's who goes into office. Because we're the largest voting block in this country. And so, so I'm going to leave that part conversation. So I'm saying that to say to you, are you, are you voting based on tradition? Because that's no different than believe, believing, well, I just believe this. And here's the Bible right here that tells you what to believe. He said, well, this is what my grandma believes, so that's what I believe. And people vote the same way. Because you're black, you're Democrat. Says who? Again, I'm not talking about anybody's party affiliation one way or another. I'm telling you, I'm try- I want to work with your mindset right now to, so that you can open up and even hear this word. Now, let's, let's begin here. Let's look at the issues here. They're very clear. Each part is very clear about the issues, the four issues. One, abortion. The Democratic Party is pro-abortion. That means that they... Uh, believe in abortion on demand for any reason. The Republican Party is pro-life. That they don't believe in abortion for any reason. Number two, same-sex marriage. The Democratic Party is for same-sex marriage. The Republican Party is not. Number three, and again, please don't tune me out. I'm just telling you what each platform believes. Number uh, three is welfare. Of course, the Democratic Party is the is the uh, um, one that started welfare, and now welfare is the largest part of the budget. It is more than than what it costs us for national defense. It costs more to run the welfare programs. There are over eighty different welfare programs. Over eighty. Over eighty. Okay. The Republican Party is for limited welfare. 
And then the last one I told you we're going to cover four. The last one, the Democrat, this last convention that was just held, the Democratic Party said they did not want God as part of their platform. And they did the vote three times. And so finally they said, you know, we're going to lose a lot of people if we don't change this back. But three times they took the vote. Do you want God as part of the platform? No. Voice vote. No, no. Then they came back and changed it later because they said they would lose too many people out. Republican platform, of course, God is always first place. So let's take these one at a time. Let's go to abortion. Jeremiah chapter 1. Hallelujah. Are you still here? And we really have to. We really have to retrain our thought process. God has a lot to say about these issues here. And where, where would he stand on these issues? Where does he stand on these issues? Because, again, you know, I just told you what each party represents, stands for. Praise God. And, 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 and this thing of abortion, this country, we have aborted almost 50 million babies since Roe versus Wade, 1973, I believe. Somewhere in that area. Almost 50 million innocent lives. The womb of the woman has now become the most dangerous place for a woman to be, for a child to be, instead of the the safest place. Abortion is not new. And I'm going to show you scripture after scripture showing you where where this this was taking place and where God 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 says, you know, the question, the question is, well, when does life begin? That's the debate. So if you can say, well, life doesn't begin until the child has actually come out of the mother's womb and is breathing on their own. That's when life begins. Well, if there's no life, how can it grow if it's not alive? But again, let's not debate this issue. Let's see what God says. Jeremiah chapter 1. God called Jeremiah. And then verse 4. Everybody there, I want you to stay with me with these. Verse, you with me? Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, saying, who's getting ready to speak? God, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Can you know someone who doesn't exist? No. So God says, before you ever were the seed and the, and the, uh, the, the seed and the egg, the sperm and the egg came together. God said, I knew you before then. Listen to Jesus speaking. He says, a body thou hast prepared for me. A body was prepared for you. The Bible says that God knew us before the foundations of the world. We were already in his heart. He just had the time had to come for us to come forth out of the womb. So as far as God is concerned, where does God stay on the issues? Life doesn't just start after you are out of the womb. Life starts before you ever enter the womb. The natural side of life starts once the egg, the uh, the sperm fertilizes the egg. That's when it, that's when life starts. The natural side. And so now you have some laws in New York. I told you about this that they they can give your child the morning after pill. In, in some places there, it's not over the whole thing, but some counties there they can give your child the morning after pill without your permission, but they can't give them a bare aspirin. 
without your permission. Now, you, you, you just don't have to be that smart to figure out that this is not about the health of the child. It's about their ideology. If it was about the health of the child, they wouldn't, couldn't give them any medicine, period. And if it was about a woman's right to her own body, then prostitution would not be illegal. It's still her body. All right. Now, I'm going to have to, because of the volume of this, and I want to get it in one message, I'm going to have to move swiftly. Second Kings. So we've established there. Did I read the rest of that? Let me read the rest of that. Y'all go to Second Kings chapter 8 and look at verse 10. Let me finish reading the rest of this. Jeremiah chapter uh, of 1. I'm reading this, and y'all find First Kings. Verse 5, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And, be, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. How many prophets have we killed? How many evangelists? How many, how many pastors and teachers? How many, you know, school teachers? How many, how many uh, scientists and physicists and, and, and all types that we have already murdered off? For answers that we're looking for, we killed the answer in the womb and called it a woman's right. Righteousness exalts the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Second Kings chapter eight, look at verse 10. And Elijah said unto him, go. Second Kings chapter eight, verse 10. And Elisha said to him, go, thou mayest certainly recover. Howbeit the Lord has showed me that he shall surely die. And he settled, settled his countenance steadfastly until he was ashamed. And the man of God wept. Now, I read that so you can have something to hold on to when you read this. And Haziel said, why weepeth my Lord? And he answered, because I know the evil that thou wilt do unto the children of Israel. Their strongholds wilt thou set on fire, and their young men wilt thou slay with the sword, sword, and wilt dash their children, the ones, the little ones, now watch this, and rip up their women with child. Do what? This is an abominable act. This is one of the sins that God would not forgive a nation for. And he told David, he said, you got to get them. Because they they cut the the bellies, got the pregnant women to cut their bellies open and snatch the babies out and smash their heads against rocks. Listen, that sounds gruesome. Now we we just educate a guy, a person. We put him in a sanitized room. We use fancy name tools. And we, we, we bring the child out or we cut it up in the womb. We puncture, bring it halfway out with his face still in the, in the birth canal and stick a scissors in the back of his head and suck his brains out. And we call that a woman's right. God said it's an abominable act. Mm. All right. Go to Isaiah 35. Excuse me. Isaiah 13. Isaiah 13. No, this is not pretty. It's not pretty and it's not popular. But it has to be said. Isaiah 13. 
Hallelujah. In verse 15, he says here, everyone that is found shall be thrust through and everyone that is joined unto them shall fall by the sword. Their children also shall be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Why is the enemy always after the children? Because he knows therein lies your future. God said, I chose Abraham because he will teach his children. And then his God's word can go on from generation to generation to generation. Satan is just the opposite. He says, I want to kill the children. He always went after the children. What did he do? He Adam and Eve, two, two children. One child kills the other. He's after the children. And we call it a right. Because nine or it wasn't actually it wasn't nine. But those some of the guys sitting up there in black robes saying, you can do it. So that makes it legal, but doesn't make it right. Look at verse 17. Behold, I will stir up the meads against thee, against them, which shall not regard silver, and as for gold, they shall not delight in it. They don't care about the money. Look at what they did, look what they care about. Their bowls also shall dash the young men to pieces and they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb. Their eye shall not spare children. Because I want this, this block of votes. I'm going to just agree with this. And how many people do I hear say they're Christians and, and, and abortion doesn't make a difference? Hosea 13. Hallelujah. Hosea 13. That's issue one, remember? Where does God stand on the issues? I believe we know where he stands on this issue, but let's look at one more verse here. Hosea 13 and verse 16. You know, we were in Sunday school, we were watching uh, Dr. Jack Van Impey talking about addictions. Of course, in some countries, child pornography is legal. It's legal. Child pornography. Does it make it right? No. But it's legal. Prostitution. It's legal all over the nation. Women sit in store windows just like mannequins sit in store windows. You just select which one you want. Does it make it right? No. I just want to get that point across. Verse 16. Samaria, we're in uh, Hosea 13, verse 16. Samaria shall, Samaria shall become desolate. Listen at why. For she hath rebelled against her God. They shall fall by the sword. Their infants shall be dashed in pieces, and their women with, with child shall be ripped up. Shall be ripped up out of the womb. Why? Because Samaria turned from God. This is what happens. Issue number two. Let's move on. Let's go to Genesis. Genesis. Is same-sex marriage or relationships, civil unions, homosexuality, lesbianism, is God for that or is he against it? You have, what was it, six states, five or six states that have that on their ballot during this general election, whether to legalize same-sex marriage. 
I told you, I've, t- I've told you time and time again, they've been pushing this in the elementary and, and, and well, kindergarten and elementary schools for years to get them to accept it before they're old enough to think about it, to get them to accept homosexual children, little children, to accept homosexuals and lesbianism as normal. Folks, if something is normal, it needs no acceptability. You don't have to push it. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 2, look at verse 18. Is same-sex marriage, where does God stand on that? Would God vote for that? Now, remember, I told you the party affiliation is with all of these. Democrat Party says that's what we're for. We're pro-gay marriage, uh, pro-homosexual marriage, all the way. President of this nation at at this time said, yes, he's for it. Verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Who's speaking? It's God. It's narration here, rather. I will make him and help me for him. Go down to verse 20. Uh, Let's see, verse 20, 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, not another man. Made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Now, remember, Genesis is the book of patterns. The law of Genesis is everything produces after its own kind. That's called the law of Genesis. So however God laid it out, that's the way it's supposed to be. Now, you're going to notice some particular type words here. So he brought it to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, not transgender, not transsexual, but she's a woman. Not strapping it on because she was taken out of man. Listen at this. Listen at this. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, not girlfriend, not living together, but his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Nobody's, there's never been a debate anywhere whether a man and a woman should marry. Now, I know we had the racial stuff, but, you know, we're not talking about that. But nobody gets gets messed up, even if a 90-year-old man marries a 22-year-old girl. We just say, this is an old fool, but still a man and a woman. She just after his money. But nobody gets up in arms. Now, what's going to happen if these states ratify uh, that if they vote yes? Well, then you're going to have some issues between states. Because all the states in the union now have an agreement that they will honor each other's marriage certificates. But that's why now you're going to have states that you, we have states that have already put into their law that marriage is between a man and a woman. And that's why you see a flock of people moving to these states so that they can get married to their partner and on whatever else they call it. Well, that's God's pattern. Go to Romans chapter 1. 
Now let's see what God says about homosexuality. And and here's what the world and ignorant people try to paint Christians and someone that's ministering like I'm ministering right now as a homophobe. Uh, No, it's called sin. And it's not the only thing that you go to hell for. There's a whole list of things. It's called rejecting God. And I know you got you got churches now that have homosexual uh, uh, people, ministers in the pulpit who say, well, you know, it's God is love. He just accepts everybody. No, he don't. There are people you love that you don't accept. Ain't that right? Now, we were in a Monticello yesterday for a private school opening. And uh, we were talking to a, a young lady there. And she was telling us about her, I think it was mother-in-law or something like that. But she lives in, the, the, the mother-in-law lives in Kansas somewhere in another state. Let me say another state. And her daughter went to see her. And uh, they were, they're longtime uh, Democrats. And again, I'm not talking about any party one way or another, just giving you examples of, of, of things. Um, and, you know, she that she spoke to them, you know, okay, about ready to vote. Yeah, yeah, you know, ready for the election to start. And they live out in the country, don't really have uh, cable TV and all that kind of stuff. They just, you know, they've just been Democrats all their life, and that's the way they vote. And she asked, she said, who are you going to vote for? And uh, uh, she said, well, we're going to vote for Obama. These are Caucasian people. We're going to vote for Obama. And she said, well, Mother... Uh, you know that he's for homosexual marriages, right? And I said, no, we didn't know that. Well, they don't watch news or anything. They just have a little, you know, little place out in the country and they just don't listen to it. They just know they vote Democrat. But they didn't have any idea of what he stood for. None. Just like the lady that was behind me. She said, I don't read the issues. I don't read any policy. I just like him. Well, he's a nice person. I told her, I said, well, I'm on the ballot in there. Are you going to vote for me? Well, eventually she said yes, because she liked me. (laughs) I said, is that a reason to vote for somebody because you like them? They're nice? Romans chapter 1. Let's start it. This is a... uh, a lengthy uh, passage here, and and uh, so it may have to skip, may just have to stay with it. Let's let's look at this now. We're talking. Don't forget where we're at. Issue two is same-sex marriage, uh, or relationships, civil unions, homosexuals, lesbians. Where does God stand on that? And we showed you God's pattern was a man and a woman married. That's God's pattern. For the wrath of God, we're in Romans chapter one verse eighteen. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Not just this one thing. And again, that's how, uh, you know, the news media and, and different ones want to try to uh, paint you that you're just against them. No, we're not against anything as, as such. We're for something. For righteousness. Because righteousness exalts a nation. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth. Who hold what? The truth and unrighteousness. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you what, a lot you you hear the politicians say, well, now personally, I I this is the way I believe, but I have no right to impose my beliefs on other people. I don't want somebody do up there representing me who who won't stand for what they believe. 
Your core belief should be what drive you. How do you separate that? You just want to be elected so you can't say what you believe? Because, verse 19, that which may be known of God is manifest in them. See, they know. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuses. Okay? So we won't, when we stand before God, nobody in this crowd can say, well, I didn't know, Lord. He's going to pull up this message on heavenly CD and, and let you hear it. Because that when they knew God, so, so they knew him, didn't they? Watch this. They glorified him not as God. Democrat Party said, we don't want God on our platform. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, useless in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And this is what has happened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and, listen, changed the glory of God the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their bodies, their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie. And this is what is happening. Change the truth that you can... Two big husky men stand up before uh, an altar saying, I love you, whatever. I don't know what their their ceremonies say. You're going to change. The truth of God is that a man is a man and a woman. You're going to change it to a lie and say, we'll just vote. And we'll make it righteous. See, I have a piece of paper. I'm married to him. Mm, we'll keep going and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now watch verse 26 for this cause. God gave them up unto vile affections. God removed his hand for even this makes it plain. Their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. It's not just God, but it's against nature. Two negatives cannot go together. Two positives cannot go together. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman. Now, if you need explanation for that. Burn in their lust one toward another. How can one man look good to another man? Because it is demonic. People need deliverance. You're not born that way. It is demonic. You you have no genetic disposition. It is demonic. But when you say there's no God, then you you know you just excuse the whole demon thing. You say, well, I just just I was just born. No, you need deliverance. So burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves their recompense of their error, which was meat. So now you want other people to pay for your sin that you brought on yourself with AIDS. 
And even as they did not like to, they did not like, they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Mm-mm. Being filled with all unrighteousness, so it just went from one thing to another, deeper and deeper, to all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That's the Bible. That's your Bible. That's not Pastor Jackson 1-1. That's the Bible. Let's go to the next issue. Issue three. Is taking care, and this is the welfare issue. Is taking care of lazy and irresponsible adults a sin? Is it a sin? Because we're asking the question. Would God vote for this? Let's let's go, and I want to start it here. Let's go to... uh, uh, first to Timothy, let's see, first Timothy chapter five. Now God has a plan in his system. He has a way for the poor to be taken care of, but many people are poor because that's what they decide to be poor. And then we have a system, a welfare system that pays people to stay in there, trains them generation after generation after generation. And they take the money from you. It's called redistribution of wealth. And you constantly hear uh, some politicians saying, well, the wealthy need to pay uh, 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 their fair share. Well, how fair can it get? And who's wealthy? Well, we had one president, you know, that, he said one thing that people were going to, the wealthy was $250,000 and greater, which is not a lot of money. But actually when you looked at the tax rate, it went down to people that made 35,000. So once again, forget the speeches as such, listen to them, but look at what they actually do because they may be calling you wealthy and you're like, man, I'm trying to pay my water bill. And they're calling you wealthy. It is a sin. It absolutely is a sin. You go work 40, 50 hours a week to come and take a big chunk of your check and give it to somebody who's laying around pooting on the couch all day. We <laughs> say watching Jerry Springer. <laughs> that is a sin. And, and, and the cry is always, well, the children, the children, the children. Okay, so you think someone who's who's not going to work is also going to take care of their children because you give them more money? You just supplied them with their next fix. All right. Um, in First Timothy chapter five, let's start at verse three. 
First Timothy chapter five, verse three. Honor widows, listen at the language here, that are widows indeed, that are really widows. That are biblical widows, not just because their husband died. Stay with me. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home. He says the responsibility lies with the family to take care of them, not the church. Or the government. It's not the church or government responsibility. (laughs) All right. And requite their parents for that is good and acceptable before God. Listen, listen, come on, come on, come on, come on, come come on, people, come on, people. Now, if our parents raise us, take care of us, been good parents, even if they haven't. And, and they come to a point where they're destitute of need, we should have enough decency ourselves to step in. Amen. Amen. I mean, it, it, what, what makes us feel better than giving to our parents and children? Nothing. All right. Verse 5. Now, she that is a widow, what's the word again? Indeed. And desolate. And what? Desolate. She's a widow indeed and desolate. Like the woman in Kings. When she came to the man and said, hey, man of God, my husband, he was a good man. He served, but he didn't take care of business. And, you know, he had some credit and and he died. And the creditors have come and they're going to take my children and sell them as bond servants. The prophet said, what do you have in your house? He did not tell her, go fill out an application at DHS. All right. So desolate, trusteth in God and continueth in supplication and prayers. Look at this now, night and day. She's still doing something. Not sitting around waiting on the first whatever... they, they, they deposit or put it on the card or however they do it. I don't know. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. But if any, listen at this now, provide not for his own and especially for those of his own house. He had denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. <coughs> he says we got we, that, 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 that burden should not be on the church or the government. Verse nine, let, let not a widow be taken. Now he's going to give the, uh, uh, or the, uh, qualifications. <clears throat> let not a widow be taken in the number under three score years, 60 years old, having been the wife of one man. She ain't been passed around. Well reported of for good works. She's got a, 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 a history of working. If she had brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, she's sown seed. If she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have uh, diligently followed every good work. <laughs> so you have, to, you have to meet these qualifications in order to be considered well, a widow below the poverty indeed. level. So we're going to give you and some now, not, 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 not good enough. But if the younger widows 
refuse, for when they have begun to wax one against Christ, they will marry. That flesh get hot again, they're going to marry. Having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. And with all learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house. Isn't this what happened? If you don't have to get up and work, you're going to find something to do. You own the phone. You gossip. Now, I'm not talking about just women. So don't even think like that. <laughs> the worst thing could have ever happened to the black family in America was welfare. Get that man out your house. And then they started taking care of his children. Inadvertently now. Well, I, I don't have to work as hard. I can keep my own money. I got time on my hands now. I can quit a job. Let me give me another gal. Why? Government going to take care of them. Get food stamps. Whatever their other stuff is. Who's paying for it? Everybody pays for it when it's all said and done. Everybody. Look at the biggest problems we have in our country. Single parent homes. I didn't say every problem. I said the biggest problems. You deal with children on a regular basis like I do, and you hear their stories day after day after day. My mama got arrested last night. Her boyfriend beat me up. All these stories. I can't tell nobody because mama said DHS, would, they would stop giving her money. Just because somebody want to say so they can get elected, we got to take care of the poor. We, we do. And if the government would step back, charitable organizations would do a whole lot more. All right. So <clears throat> let me finish up verse, verse 13. So going house to house and not only idle, but tattlers also busybodies speaking things which they ought not. I will, therefore, that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Let's go to one other scripture here for this one, to 2 Thessalonians. Hallelujah. We're talking about this third issue here is taking care of lazy, irresponsible adults. Is that sin? Now, you know, we can, we can answer this question individually, too. Getting around, the, you know, we're getting close to winter. This is a good time. Motivate them. All right. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. <clears throat> and uh, let's start at verse 6. Now, we commanded. What, what is this about to be given? A what? A command. Now we commanded you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which ye have received, which ye received, which he received of us. 
For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Listen to this. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. This, 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 this is the apostle speaking. Now he's saying, now he said, we work day and night. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. If somebody doesn't work and they always want to borrow money from you, you need to tell them, follow my example. Get your butt up in the morning, go to work. But pastor, people just can't find jobs. That's a lie. You could be employed tomorrow. I ain't working there. Hmm. They don't pay nothing but minimum wage. How much you making now? How much are you making now? Look at verse 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. How much planning can that? Pastor, that just seems so cold. Talk to God. You don't see my name anywhere on this page. For we hear that there are some among you which walk among you, that there are some which walk among you disorderly, not working, not working at all, working not at all. Then we have a part-time job. That ain't trying. I just didn't give up. Where, where, how you living then? How you pay your rent? <coughs> and then they smoke. Who buying your cigarettes? Go out on the weekend. What? I don't, I don't wear no Walmart clothes. Woo. Okay, I can't get stuck on this because I got one more and I got to finish it. <clears throat> now that, verse 12, now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat, listen, their own bread. Now we don't, you know, intentionally go in front of them and sit down with a five course meal and eat our steak and saying, boy, this is good. I mean, if that'll motivate them, yeah. <laughs> but we're not into torture. I mean, you can rub some steak juice on your sleeve and walk past them. But listen, now I don't know how you grew up, all of you. I grew up working hard. I've, I have been on a tax-paying job since I was 12, according to my Social Security record. You know when they send you those statements? 1974, I've been working on a tax-paying job since I was 12. So you can imagine, and I used to work for Reverend Jackson without taxes, picking up motors, transmissions, 
Have that motor sitting out on the ground when I get back, boy. All that kind of stuff. $20 a week, maybe. So you think I got pity? For a man? Shoot. I said, shoot. <laughs> I don't. If the children are hungry, yeah, we'll feed the children. But you better not touch it. Did a crowbar or something. Big, lazy, husky, no working rascal. Can't stand it. I can't. I can't. I can't. It's, it's hard to stomach. Come on, man. Let me have a couple of dollars. Ooh. But ye brethren, verse 13, let's get back to the word. We're getting personal now that we're going to need that. But ye brethren, be not weary in well doing. And if any man obey not our words by this epistle, note that man, take note of the bombs and have no company with them that he may. Be ashamed. I ought to be ashamed. I mean, how how you gonna be 50 years old still living with your mom because you ain't never worked? Ain't nothing wrong with you now. We talking about that. We're not talking about people that are that are, you know, really meet the, the need. We talk, I said, is taking care of lazy, irresponsible adults. All right? So don't go out there and say that I said, you know, you just snatch it from everybody. Did not say that. Should have said, well-bodied. I see people in wheelchairs. That's one particular man I'm thinking about. Works at the air base. And he's been working out there. I know Just about a quadriplegic. Works every day. Every day. Being in his little wheelchair. So I guess he's not a quadriplegic because he can move it with, uh, or he's got voice command or something. But he's out there working. Not laying a, He could be at home, you know, getting 100% disability. Just drawing money. But he's out there working every day. So how in the world can we feed somebody that's laying up in the bed to 2 o'clock scratching their behind and call it compassion? It's not. It's sin. All right? So it says, verse 15, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. That's real love. No, I'm not, no, not going to give you $2. No, I'm not. Man, I'm hungry. Okay. After you go to this, uh, I'll take you to your interview tomorrow, fill out an application. After that, i get you something to eat. But tonight, let your stomach sing your lullaby to sleep. All right. Last, last one. We'll, we'll, we'll work through this one. I told you that one of the platforms – the Democratic Party said that they did not want God as part of their platform. What does God say about that? Go to Psalms 91. Psalms 91. Hallelujah. We have to, we have to look at things from where God stands. We got to, you know, get the traditional smoke out of our eyes. And we have to get in our word. And it may be difficult because you ain't never done that before. And folks, can't, I can't believe you did that. Well, it's not a business in the first place. It's between you and God. None of my business. 
I'm just giving you the information to work with. So, what did I tell y'all? Y'all shouldn't have went there. Y'all shouldn't have went to Psalms 9. I looked at it's 9.17. I saw the 9 and the 1 together. Psalms chapter 9, verse 17. All right. Give me just about five minutes here and we'll be through, I think. Verse 17. The wicked, Psalms 9, chapter 9, verse 17. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. I didn't say that. When you say we don't want God, we don't even want God mentioned on our platform. Go to chapter 14. These don't even take a lot of really much commentary, do they? Speak so loudly for themselves. Psalms chapter 14, verse 1. The fool had said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Let me tell you where this comes from. Let me just, let me just, give me just, just a minute to tell you where this comes from. The, what is it, um. The guy that come up with the all the things about evolution, he knew it wasn't true from the beginning. What he said was, I've got to come up with something that eliminates God. Because if I say there's a God, I have to say that there are absolutes, meaning that there is right and there is wrong. And I know what I'm doing is wrong because he, he knew the way he was living was wrong. So he said, if I eliminate God out of the equation, then every man can do as he pleases because there is no right or wrong. We're just animals just running around on a higher level than the dog and the cat. So I'll just say there's no God. We just came from uh, slime and and eventually slid our way out of the primordial slime and up on the earth and over 50, 60,000 million billion years, we eventually s- turned into monkeys and another few million years, we started walking upright and then we today are what we are. And they teach that in your schools. And people actually believe it. And they believe it because they've heard it over and over and over. When God says he created us, Everything after its kind. So nothing ever became something else. Now, all right, Isaiah chapter 60. So they say there is no God. God says you're a fool. So we don't want God. So I guess I can't technically say they say there is no God. They say we don't want him on our platform because if you have God on your platform then you can't have these other issues because they know they're against God verse 60 chapter 60 verse 12 listen to, uh, glory all right Chapter 60 and verse 12. There we go. 
For the nations and kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish. Yea, those nations will be utterly wasted. No country in this world has ever had, no, there's no country in this world whose, whose history is even comparable to ours. Because we were found based on the Judeo-Christian values. God is all through our constitution, all through our founding documents. Everything that our forefathers said and did, it had God, 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 God. We honor God. This nation was founded to worship and honor God. No other nation in the history, in world history, has prospered and come to the rise to, 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 to be uh, dominant in the world as quickly as this country. When there was no natural reason that we should have. When you looked at all the odds, how can a few little farmers get together and defeat the mightiest army in, on the face of the earth? And Navy on the face of the earth. Because God was with them. And they acknowledged him first. But if we say we don't want God, then God says, I'm going to sound like a little boy now, I'll take my blessings and go home. And see how you make it on your own. But we're not going to say that. The question is, are we going to vote that? Last, last scripture, Matthew chapter 3. Hallelujah. Because we have to vote what we believe. Thank you, Lord. I said Matthew 3. That's not right. Let me see. Hallelujah. Okay. Glory, glory, glory. That's right. Let me just say it. That's, 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 that's all. That's our last one. I'm going to say what Jesus said. I'll just say it. Jesus said this. They came to Jesus and they said, Master, we saw one that was casting out devils in your name. And Jesus said, that's fine. Because the disciples said, and we forbade them to do it. Jesus said, leave him alone. He says, he that is not for me is against me. That's what he said. So as we come up on this national election day, and people are going to enter into that booth, and they're going to vote one way or the other. So many are doing it ignorantly. And what I charge you with is just to share, even though we got just one more day, share this word with as many people as you can. Go on, 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 go online. You can, you can pull this kind of stuff up. Just email it to people. Tell them to look at it and ask them this question. Is this what you believe? Do you believe that you should murder babies in the mother's womb? I know we got fancy words for it. A procedure. Right. 